0: Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, a Tottenham Hotspur themed show brought to you by an assortment of Spurs fans, and a Leeds fan called Dave. Dave, as always, is here to provide us with just a dash of impartiality and balance. Keep an eye on all of us and make sure we're not getting too carried away. We're on a slightly skeleton crew this week. We've only got three of us, but uh, don't tell the others. It is the best three, so rest assured it's still going to be a great show. It's my pleasure to welcome back the mainstays of the Plus Dave podcast. They are, of course, Dave himself and Elio. First of all, Dave, come to you. Welcome back for another week. Spurs are looking quite good now, aren't they? Well they they are based on the performance we just saw and this is I must say one of
1: those this was the week I was dreading this was the week where Leeds lose and Spurs win and then I have to start talking about it and not be really upset and just hide into a small
0: shell and just walk out the door. We'll do you a favour we'll focus on Spurs today we'll, we'll leave the Leeds chat for the time being we had plenty of that, that last week we made you go through the horrors of you know of the history but we'll move on from that. We're only six weeks away from playing each other so there'll we be are, plenty of time are. for that then. And none of us can wait for that. That's going to be Can't a hell wait. of an episode. A hell of an episode. Elio, welcome back. How are you feeling How today? There? Better mood? Um, yeah, much better moods. It's a funny one. Like that last few minutes
2: felt all too familiar and <laughs> uh, I, needed, I needed a couple of minutes to recover from it. But mm. we saw good proactive football on the whole, good game management uh, in difficult circumstances, which when we review things I'll discuss. So, So yeah, that's left me in a good mood for the start of the new week.
0: I think I attempted fate because you'll see it in our group chat. I said it's almost getting a little bit dull, but I meant that as a good thing because, you know, we were managing the game. We were keeping it under control. We weren't making any unnecessary risks and it was all quite comfortable and a bit of a procession in the second half. And then, and then Spurs strike, <laughs> but, uh, but we'll get onto that. We're we'll going to look at every goal in turn, of course. So we'll, we'll get onto all the goals in a minute, but uh, as I said, pretty comfortable performance another win another three points it wasn't exactly plain sailing from start to finish but let's go through in chronological order shall we um, and let's look at the first goal which was very very early on perhaps a worrying sign that we, we seem to concede goals at the beginning of halves or we have done so far this season Dave uh, let's get your view on our defending because uh, you, you've been critical in the past but what did you make of uh, the first goal the, the Newcastle goal from Callum Wilson today I'm
1: going to be honest with you not much <laughs> because I missed the first 10 minutes <laughs> <Cut>. <laughs> <laughs> I saw all the Spurs girls you ask me any question about anything that Spurs did right today I've got yeah. the answer <laughs> but the one thing they did wrong I'm afraid I missed it all right Elio Elio you can put my kids to bed
0: <laughs> <laughs> well we'll let you off Elio you can bail Dave out on this one this is what happens when we have a reduced crew Elio what did you make of our it must be said poor start today that's exactly what it was. It was a poor start. I think I said
2: in our last episodes, which I listened to for the first time yesterday, <laughs> uh, I'm ashamed to say, that for Newcastle to beat us, we'd have to be shocking. And we were shocking at the start we of are. this match. It was so sluggish and... They just seemed half asleep and Regulon, who we said last week we never mentioned Regulon, we always forget about him uh, was chief culprit for me mm. because he kind of watched one man run past him and then cross it without the greatest of attempt to stop it and don't get me wrong I know in the modern game fullbacks don't have the most fun of times but... When you've done that and the guy has the space to put in a cross that good and it was a very good cross mm. your centre-backs yes you can always say maybe Romero was a bit static but your centre-backs are in a hiding to nothing because it puts right where the Newcastle striker wants it and Callum Wilson is a good striker so, mm. so that's what happened but they shouldn't have got behind us that easily in the first place and That just sort of stunk of players not quite being ready for it, maybe a bit daunted by the very raucous atmosphere at St. James's Park off the back of becoming billionaire murderer FC. And uh, (laughs) yeah, it maybe was a good thing because it seemed to snap us into some kind of
0: action. That's becoming a bit of a theme, isn't it? I mean, it's not the first time where we've needed a goal to wake us up a bit. And Regulon to stay with him, moments later, obviously, was pretty good and involved in the goal. And it just showed that going forward has never been his problem. And he he has ability going forward. It's the defensive thing. And you made the comment. We essentially made the same comment at the same time in our group chat that he's a left winger. He's a midfielder. Mm. Perhaps it's just a case that the modern game has developed to a point where wide players are expected to be box-to-box fullbacks and they're meant to be defenders. But maybe that's just not his skill set. And he's been almost shoehorned into that. Dave, what do you think of Regulon as a player in general?
1: Well, I mean, I've now watched the goal. Uh, and <laughs> oh, no. uh, and I think you've been a little bit harsh on him, to be honest. Because I think that's, uh, you know, he's got two players coming down on yeah. him and he's got to make a decision. And he's made the decision that he thinks is the right one. And ultimately, it's never going to work because he's always going to be against two people. And I think the issue there is one that does often happen when you play the formation that Nuno's trying to make is that your wings get overrun when you get turned round. I think also... If we are pointing fingers for that goal, I think Royale should have dealt with it.
0: Yeah, it all started from his mistake. His
1: kick was was soft and it went straight to one of their players. Mm. And I think in the box, you know exactly what's going to happen. You know, Romero should be seeing what Callum Wilson's trying to do there. And he should probably try and attack that header a bit more. So I would go more on the side of not working up yet rather than the side of there was a specific error for someone there. I yeah. think it was just a case that, you know, it, it was two minutes in and you guys needed a wake up jab. Absolutely, and
2: I'm by no means trying to say that Regulon single-handedly conceded that goal. It was a series of mistakes by a series of players, Emerson included, Son being nowhere to help his left-back out as well. I mean, part of a, a left-forward or a left-winger's job these days is to make sure their fullback doesn't get doubled up on uh, the same way that we were doubling up on them all game after that. Uh, and, yeah, Romero was a little bit leaden footed to let Wilson get in ahead of him for that cross. I think. With Emerson, with Son and with Romero, I'm probably cutting them all a tiny bit more slack on the base of the fact that if they are a bit sluggish to start, they've all just played international football. Uh, Reglon was with Spain, but he didn't actually play. And Romero and uh, Emerson in particular were playing in GMT, the early hours of Friday morning. So mm-hmm. they've had a flight each from South America. So a good long flight On the early hours of Friday morning to late Friday afternoon, after which they've only just come in and had to kind of be match ready. And then Son, on the other hand, he, even though his games were earlier, Son is rumoured to be one of the two players that got a false positive test for COVID, which messed up all his preparations going into the match. So... The other three all have a bit of a caveat for starting a bit slow. Regulon has less. And I, I really like him as a player. He's an exciting fullback to watch. And what he did for the equaliser redeemed himself absolutely in my eyes. Yes,
0: let's, let's talk about that equaliser because obviously he was involved. And it takes us neatly on to another player who's been living rent-free in all of our heads. Uh, and I'd love to hear about your assessment of his performance on a whole. But first of all, the goal. Talk to us about that.
2: It was a really great team goal. We we got up at pace. Regulon actually, instead of just bombing to the byline and trying to drag it back or hit a hopeful cross and he actually stopped the ball, got his head up, looked who was around and instead of sort of the very simple let's try and get it onto the penalty spot and hope someone attacks it, he actually played it into Ndombele, who all right, it was still a phenomenal shot. I mean, to curl that shot round the marker and into the far corner takes an especial amount of technique. But that doesn't change the fact that it was good, quick, slick play that led to him getting that opportunity. And yep. I think we deserved it at the time we equalised as well because we had snapped into action and uh, it, it sort of set
0: the tone for the rest of the match. So very good from both players. And as for the man himself, and Dombalé, pretty low bar it must be said, but. Are we in agreement that that was his best performance in the Premier League, at least this season for us?
2: Uh, perhaps his best performance in the Premier League ever for us. He mm. he went the entire match and even at the end, and this is the guy that's mercilessly derided for being unfit. He he was closing things down. He was chasing things down. He was tracking back to make tackles and blocks. He was getting the ball in defence and holding it up and playing us out of defence. He was, he was doing everything that you want for him. Caveat being it's Newcastle, who crest of a wave or not are an absolutely horrible team as I so explicitly said last (laughs) week we did this last week Elio don't worry go easy on them come on (laughs) Um, but uh, I felt sorry looking at uh, Steve Bruce today I actually quite Mm -hmm. like Steve Bruce as a person I think he's handled the last couple of years with a lot of dignity and knowing that he had the poison chalice of being manager for the club he loves but being hated by all those supporters it's Mm -hmm. uh, I can't think of anything worse so I actually felt for him today but they are a dreadful team however Ndombele has disappeared against other dreadful teams so I'm I'm not going to hammer him for something he doesn't need to be hammered for he was very very good today and I Mm. think a big reason why a lot of other players played probably their best games of the season as well
0: he certainly did, and he seemed quite different to what we've seen so far. I mean, we've always seen the occasional flash of skill, the occasional flare. But today there was more than that. He actually, as you said, he, he managed he to play the, the, whole, the whole 90 minutes. Yeah, he was actually involved. I, I was looking up at him after about the 65 70th minute mark, thinking, okay... This is where Andomble starts to go to sleep and starts to drag his feet a bit. But he seemed to really be up for it. And he was actually even tracking back towards the end. There was a couple of moments where he was back towards our own corner flag. He was almost playing like he was part of a midfield three today, rather than playing as number 10, which was unusual. But I think, as you say, let's take it with a pinch of salt. He was playing against a weaker team and we had a lot of possession and obviously a little bit less to do on the running and the tracking, I suppose. True. But certainly good signs.
2: It's the step change in mentality as well, That Like towards the end, and we're winning 3-1 at this point, we play sort of a fairly sloppy ball instead of Defense left that pass to centre back, and Dombele charges at the centre back, and centre back plays it down to goalkeeper. And Dombele keeps going and actually looking quick in doing that. This, this is late on in the match, and I actually thought he was tired anyway, to say the truth, but he was still doing it. And that's the step change in yeah. mentality that I've been praying for. And if he keeps that up, then he'll play well against most teams. And this is in a, in a match. When Ndombele took a lot of kicks and a lot of rough treatment today, which usually leads mm. to him disappearing. Chelsea case in points a few weeks ago, and and on this occasion, he, he almost rose to the occasion. Yeah, and as
0: we mentioned earlier as well, it's a promising sign that we bounce back from the goal, and not for the first time as well. We, we looked at the Villa game when we had that goal, and suddenly, as Dave mentioned last time in his analysis of that game, saying that we suddenly thought, hang on a minute... Whispers, we should be beating these guys. What's going on? Let's sort this out. There was an element of that today which was good to see in that goal in particular and also as we'll get on to towards the end conceding that goal and having to close out the game. Obviously a significant thing that happened of course was the stoppage of the game and we're all delighted to say that the fan in question who suffered the heart attack Mm. I believe is now apparently stabilised and safe and in good condition the way hospital thanks in no small part of course to medics and, and our own Eric Dyer who sprinted across heroically to get everyone into action. So obviously we're delighted to see that that had a happy end ending but obviously very disjointed end to the half and you know that, something like that that was always going to have an effect on the home crowd and uh, we saw that in the Euros with what happened to Christian Eriksen and we saw it again today to an extent but nevertheless take nothing away from our third goal which was a wonderful thing to see wonderful goal to watch Dave tell us about that goal from your perspective
1: well I think putting it all into context I think it's difficult to draw conclusions of anything with this game because obviously it was a circus to begin with and then obviously that, mm. that very unfortunate incident turned it into a almost a you know football was very much it was second most important thing at the start of the game and then it suddenly became a far third most important thing at that point Mm -hmm. and i think there's there has to be an element that you know there was a potential for players or a team that aren't necessarily in the best place in the world to potentially switch off after something like that happens yeah and it feels like there were two teams out there and one of them thought right we got seven minutes let's just get to half time and let's regroup and there's another one went we could absolutely can kill cancelize. this game if yeah. we get this goal and as soon as that 7 minutes started as soon as the referee restarted you just got the feeling that spurs were after blood and they were after that killer goal to really like end the contest at half time and you know it was it was a great move you know a really selfless cross from kane when a more greedy striker would have had a go for it but you know obviously someone was in the right place and and took it away
0: elio you mentioned that it was all of our front four involved mm. which is lovely to see it in itself but talk us through that goal
1: I mean, first
0: of all, Dombalay under
2: sort of fairly heavy pressure and heavy kind of press from the Newcastle defenders just held it up so well and showed so much skill. Lucas, mm. his his feet were so quick and it's what he's been doing for a few weeks now. And I think I mentioned this after the Villa game, potentially, where he's become our break the press player he was breaking a press in effect here as well, except he was doing it in the other team's final third. And when you do that, it doesn't matter if the only pass he can really pull off is a simple one. You've taken players out of the game and uh, that's exactly what he he did. And he, he's actually, he's not going to get the headlines for today, but he was actually integral in this victory by doing that all game long. And uh, yeah. w- when he eventually sort of got the ball out to Kane, it, it just became such a sort of easy play across to Son. Like, Kane probably couldn't shoot from there I mean it was quite an angle and he just had to pass which we know Kane is a great passer and Son being faster than most players was there before his marker I mean it's lovely to watch team goals like that again we we've been starved of that for the best part of two and a half years so so that was really enjoyable
0: I had similar thoughts I mean in terms of Kane and Son's involvement in it there's an element of that's kind of the minimum you expect in that position Kane was in a good position it was a fairly easy cross square to find Son Son had an open goal. Fair enough, he did both to find the space. But it was Lucas and Ndombele that impressed me the most in that move because of just the way they worked around the, the press, like you say. And Lucas made a really good run inside where another player might have gone on the outside. and mm-hmm. Ndombele showed really good awareness to see him and spot the run and actually, like you say, hold off the Newcastle defence. It was, it was almost Dembele-like for a split second there, <laughs> if, if that's not too high <laughs> pressure. No, I think,
2: <laughs> I think that's fair. But he does do a lot of things that are Dembele like. Unfortunately, in terms of discipline, he's always done a lot of things that are Dembele unlike. But uh, no, mm. that that was lovely and it was incisive. And and the other thing that both that move and Kane's actual goal itself backs up that uh, I, I did say a few weeks ago when I was laying into Harry Kane is. Harry Kane is suddenly making runs again. He's suddenly playing high up the pitch and actually playing in the areas that are difficult to play in again. And look what happens. Against Villa, he had that wonderful chance and he he didn't take it, but it was a chance that he hadn't had in weeks. And uh, today he scores one and makes another because he's actually doing what strikers should do. And he kept making those runs today. The commentators alluded to the fact that he'd made a few and not been found already. But for his goal, he made the run. Hoybia found him. He played to the whistle, as all good footballers do. And VAR gave him the goal, thank God. Uh, and, And then for Son's goal, I mean, we don't score that goal, even with the exact same players on the pitch and the exact same tactics a month ago guarantee it but yeah. he's had a step change mentally maybe he's responding to the amount of criticism he's getting publicly for the first time in his career really because he's always sort of exceeded expectations this is the first time in his career he's been below par for club and country for any significant period of time and I feel like it might have got a reaction out of him same caveat he was playing Newcastle he was up against Jamal oh. LaSalle's not Tiago Silva today
0: <laughs> of course, yeah. And look, let's talk about Kane because, you know, on the right track, two fairly decent performances in a row and he scored a goal. Mm. Uh, we, we don't have to bring out any XG stats today, Dave. We, we can just actually talk about the fact that he actually put the ball in the net. Back and, to reality. I think, Excellent. Yeah, exactly. Back to normal service. And you kind of alluded to it there earlier. I think Kane's goal... It was an example of two very confident players in Hoiberg making that progressive pass in that situation, and Kane with the first time finish, and a a finish that you might not have expected him to do had he not really backed himself. And it's just lovely to see that. Mm. And a great pass from Hoiberg, who I think up until we got the goal was playing quite negative. He was playing a little bit defensive. He was passing the ball back a lot. And he did seem to switch on from the moment we scored the goal and started playing slightly more progressive and trusting that Skip was behind him. Skip and Hoiberg, midfield pivot that seems to now, at least, be the basis we're going to move forward on because they've played a couple of games now in a row. They've been performing well. Let's talk about their performances today, one by one. What did you make of those two, individually and as a pair?
2: In my mind, I'd always want a more sort of traditional, progressive player in a two-man pivot. But Dembele was a bit more progressive than Wanyama, for instance. However... I think having Skip there, and Skip is so quick, and he makes such well-timed tackles as well. I can't actually believe Great the pace at which he makes those tackles and wins them and doesn't foul almost every time, mm. that um, it's allowing Hoybier to look forwards more. He has a bit more space on the ball as well and he's playing higher risk passes and and it's working well which is what he was doing for Denmark in the summer and what he used to do for Southampton. The other thing that I think has really enabled him to take on that mantle of pushing us forward a bit more and trusting Skip a bit more is the fact that they are playing as a two because when they were playing as a three with Deli or with Ndombele in a more withdrawn role than he's played the last couple of games it was almost a case of well we're just going to do simple defensive stuff and pass the ball out to him they don't actually have the option of playing it just to a third central player to expect him to do it now because that third central player is now up there with Kane and Son and Lucas and that's Ndombele Mm. or could be Delhi, I guess, as well, though I'm quite happy with Ndombele proving me wrong at the Salsa moment as a 10. And um, yeah, or, or Lo Celso potentially. He, you know, he's probably my first choice of the three for that role. So I think almost out of necessity, Hojbjerg, who is a player who takes responsibility, is doing things that he hadn't done for us before. And it's really good to see.
0: I think some of the Newcastle players could probably learn a lesson or two from Skip's tackling and winning the ball cleanly today, because <laughs> they certainly like to kick a few lumps out of us today. Uh, Dave, have we moved too far on from your previous point, or would you like to jump back to it?
1: It's kind of a bit of a summation, really, because I think you know we hmm. what we we focused on what we focused on so far. We focused on on Dombele and his performance. We focused on the defenders not being potentially awake or not being potentially in sync at the start of the yeah. at the start of the game. We focused on Hoiberg's through ball and his understanding with Kane. Now they all point to exactly the same thing, which is actually something that we talked about a few weeks ago in one of those you know rare moments where we were feeling quite positive and hopeful of the future, which was <laughs> which was time plus fitness equals improvement. You know, yeah. there were no no out signs, but there were also this is a process. He hasn't had a lot of time with the team. Maybe if he gets a bit more time, maybe if they reach full fitness, maybe they'll get to where we need them to be. Now, ultimately, Kane and Hoiberg have had a year together, and that is what the end product is. It's the ability for Hoiberg Mm. to get the ball and Kane to know exactly what he's going to do, curve that run from offside to onside and back again to be able to to put that finish in. And Ndombele has done 90 minutes for the first time. Is that the first time? This season?
2: Uh, first time this probably season I think um, not the first time ever first time this season <laughs> yeah. it's first, the first time, time this
1: season and the first time of this season where you know you could yeah. argue the last 30 minutes were probably as good as the 60 minutes that he's given us in the past which yeah. means that he's getting fitter he's getting more mm. used to the way that, that, that he's been asked to be played and that's how the progress is going to happen so I think you know i hate to say it because i'm supposed to be the troll it's it's positive because it's a movement forward through that time plus fitness equals improvement equation that we talked about earlier and my god we've got it we're geniuses we've yeah. nailed this sign us up for the Watford management job
2: well i mean ranieri's only got to... what another couple of weeks before it's free so why not but uh, yeah. i think i said at the time that i felt the criticism of Nina was incredibly harsh and After the Arsenal game, I began to think, do other people all have a point here? Because I felt he could have been more proactive in approach than he was. But these last couple of games, maybe the Arsenal game needed to happen to actually force him to think, hang on a second, this is my chance at the big time with a club. I don't want to screw this up, and it actually pushed him into the this more proactive approach. And the mm. last two games we've played front foot football, we've actually kept the ball on the ground for the whole. All right, there's a little bit of long ball to son today. Let's not talk too much about that. And
1: uh, yeah, and uh, right kind of it's long ball. It's the right kind of long ball. You know, yeah. the long ball to Chris Wood to knock it down in the hope that that Ashley Barnes will get it is very <laughs> different you, you to, to, to long burn? ball. No, I'm I'm saying there's a difference. Long ball to the wings, long ball to Son, or long ball to Ravinia yeah. is different.
2: Absolutely. And in Romero, we've actually signed a player that can pass the ball long out of defence really, really well. There was one up the wing, way up to the right flank in the second half, which was pure Toby Alderweireld. I mean, he's really settling in
0: nicely now. Martin Tyler described one of Eric Dyer's passes as Glenn Hoddle-like today. Which and, it went out and it went straight <laughs> out. And it then went out for a goal kick. <laughs> Slightly premature on that one, Martin. Yeah, I am but, questioning uh, I like your optimism.
2: how much um, mileage Tyler has left based on... <laughs>
0: Some of his comments, he's becoming very pleated. His jokes are getting a bit a bit awkward, aren't they? They're, mm-hmm. they're a little bit cringy nowadays. But I still love his and it's live, and I'm not gonna apologize for that. Look, I think it's certainly starting to come together, and it's good to see it's obviously got to be caveat by the fact that we've played a couple of slightly easier opponents without wanting to disrespect them. And I imagine our next opponents might be a slightly tougher challenge, and we'll get onto that in a moment. But before we do, we've got to talk about the last five minutes, because as I said, it just wouldn't be Spurs if they didn't make us hold on just that little bit for the last five minutes, just as we thought we were actually going to close out a game in the Premier League this season with a comfortable win more or less for the entirety of the match Eric Dyer steps up and just throws a spanner in the works do you blame him majorly for that goal or do you think it, was, it was just a bad luck it was
2: really unfortunate I mean that was as good as our game management has been in such a long time the way we were playing the ball around the way we were making them chase after it and wasting their energy the, mm. the way we were kind of Getting forward and drawing back, then getting forward and drawing back. I thought maybe on occasion we could have gone for throw to touch more and could have killed it, but we actually did have chance to do so and didn't manage to, so maybe, maybe that's a little harsh. Mm. I almost don't quite know how it happened. I mean, it seemed to, he seemed to go to head it and it bounced off his chest onto yeah. his knee and into the goal. I mean, remember, we his see it His slow... body
0: didn't sync up, did they, in that moment? He just kind of. Exactly. I mean... Didn't know what he was
2: doing. We see everything in a slightly slowed down moment, but for these guys, it's happening at super speed and not from yeah. a bird's eye view angle where you can see everything happening. It's coming at yeah. him. So he didn't and adjust... And you seeing it late.
0: To... Coming over the head of the last defender as well. Yeah, we'll cut him some slack on that one. If, we, if we'd lost or drawn, we might be a bit more critical. I did say at the time... That was really bad luck,
2: but Eric Dyer often seems to get really bad luck, which Mm -hmm. is never a good sign for someone. But I don't want to hammer the guy off the back of that, especially when he might have even saved someone's life today.
0: Well, yeah, of course. Well, look, it suddenly didn't seem like we were about to concede at any moment when that happened. It was a bit out of nowhere. I suppose if there's ever a time you want to be trying to close out a narrow game and a narrow win and not concede, it is against a team like Newcastle when their only recognised goal scorer has gone off the pitch. So I suppose that does make it a little bit easier. Talking about our opponents, our next opponents... Are West Ham, who have had a pretty good season, has to be said. They've had some big results. Uh, Mikel Antonio is back in the starting lineup, not quite showing the form he did at the beginning of the season, but always a threat. How do we assess those guys as potential opponents coming up next week? West Ham are a very good side. They've
2: got a lot mm. of very good players. Obviously, Antonio's a good player. Um, Cresswell is a, a really, really lovely footballer, in my opinion. Detlin Rice is obviously one of the best midfielders in the country at the moment. Uh, I think Ben Rama. I could watch him all day. He's, he's one of those footballers. Even though he's not the quickest, he still seems to be able to play at his own pace up there. I really do love watching him and uh, Moyes has them really well drilled which he does with every team he manages so it's going to be a really really tough game and I mean West Ham love playing us anyway their fans are always up for it this is going to be West Ham's first full stadium against us since pre-pandemic so the atmosphere is going to be well much like today's except probably with a little bit more um holding power than today's was and yeah I'd never go into a game wanting anything but a win and I do think we're a better side than West Ham but Make no mistakes about it. If we're not on it next week, we won't win that game.
0: Dave, would you say if we go to West Ham away on our respective form this season and we get a draw, would you say that would be a good result for Spurs?
1: Um, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, they had a really good win today, West Ham, beating Everton, Mm -hmm. who've been very decent under Benitez so far. A bit of a smash and grab in terms of the uh, you know corner routine, but you know not for the first time, shall we exactly, say? Exactly, you know, you, 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 there's a way to win, and 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 Moyes has clearly found that way to win with the team that he has. So I think it's a, I think it'll be an interesting match up, and I do think a point would be acceptable for Spurs away for that game. I mean, you're in the middle of your roadshow, aren't we, at the moment? You're not at home until was it the thirtieth mm. against Man United? Mm. So you know, I think you get as many points as you can, and, and you know. Out of all of the games that you've got between now and then, I think you can afford to drop a couple of points at this one, I
0: think. Kind of wish we were playing Man United next, <laughs> to be honest.
1: Yeah, they'll have a new manager by then, unfortunately.
0: They might <laughs> yeah, well, well do. Uh, Elio, what do you make of... Uh...
1: Well, this is a game that we
2: lost last season as well, So, and we we actually lose far more than you'd expect, to, even when West Ham are on their knees. We, we, we lose at Upton Park quite regularly, so I don't want to tempt fate the way I did about today's game in our last podcast, At the same time, I do think we're two wins on the bounce. We're playing decent football again. We, We have our tails up. Harry's back in form now as well. So, yes, a point is on paper a decent result out of that, but... I'd still be disappointed if that's all it was, just because yep. if we want to get where we do want to get, then then we do need to win games like this in the best possible way. So so I'd, I still do want to think that uh, we're capable of, of winning this match. It's a bit of a free ticket the next couple of games, actually. And this one was as well. We got a point out of the equivalent fixture last season from this. We've won today. Mm-hmm. Next weekend's game, we lost last season. I believe United home, we lost last season as well. So our next few fixtures, we've got very few points. At the point of recording this, we are currently six points up on the equivalent fixtures from last season, obviously replacing relegated teams with promoted teams in the right order as well. And that's actually really good going, especially when you consider Mm. how poor some of our performances have been. So the fact that we're at this point where we're only now beginning to play well, I think I think it's a really nice sign going forward. And we've got an opportunity to set us up for a really good season if we can win next week. Like I said, I'm not going to go in thinking must win, but yeah. I'd be disappointed with the draw, even if realistically that's a good result.
0: We're up on our respective fixtures, as you just mentioned. We are somehow fifth in the league, as things stand. Level you know, on points uh, with Brighton Is, and is this top four prediction, third, fourth, starting to seem a little bit more realistic or are we not going to get ahead of ourselves? I won't get ahead of myself just
2: ahead of myself, Great English, Elliot. Um, <laughs> I, I won't go down that road just yet. I'll say what I've been saying for a little while since the Chelsea game, admittedly, slightly blipped up against Arsenal in that these are green shoots and their ever more common green shoots Uh, against Chelsea it was a good first half against Aston Villa it was an overall good performance with a few dodgy moments today it was an even better performance with even fewer dodgy moments so as far as I'm concerned every game improving on the last
1: I think you're up to 86 minutes aren't you of good football yeah with two minutes at the beginning two minutes at the end
2: Exactly. So uh, we need. So so we're building what we need to do. And listen, yeah. Manchester City, Chelsea, they won't be as forgiving as Newcastle were today if we start that slowly because they can score three goals in the space of time that Newcastle scored one. But there's a bit more bottle about the players. They seem to be a bit more together and a bit more unified than they were a few weeks ago as well. Uh, Whether that's just a confidence thing or not, I don't know. I mean, I I hate body language expert work, so I'm not going to go into that. But generally, it's going the right direction. And if it keeps going that direction, then with a bit of luck, yeah, top four. Why not? I mean right now a team that you'd hope we could overhaul are the team
0: above us in fourth place exactly in Brighton and of course United aren't exactly uh, flying and firing on all cylinders either so we'll, we'll get on to talk about them next week of course do you think potentially there's something to see said about the absolute disaster against Chelsea and Arsenal maybe giving us a different mentality going into this game because this is a game that as you said the fans are going to be really up for it's a tough away hostile fixture it's a game that perhaps we might have underestimated in another season or in another game do you think what happened in those games will change the mentality 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 of the players going into it, perhaps avoid complacency.
2: I think now that we seem to have a fairly settled way of playing and settled formation and what looks like the first 11, I feel like today is the first 11 from the players currently at the club, especially with Lucas in my opinion, making himself quite integral to how we play. I wouldn't dream yeah. of putting Bergwijn or Hill or Lo Celso in for him. And, and Dombele deserves to keep his place as well. So so with, mm. with that, I think, yeah, absolutely. I think going forward, as long as we keep doing this, then we'll continue to have more good than bad out of this side. And Chelsea and Arsenal, we were still very much toying with things. Kane was still kind of having a strop or not fit or whatever it was that meant he wasn't playing like Harry Kane everyone's Mm. blowing a bit hot and cold everyone's roles seem a bit more defined now we're a lot more compact when we have the ball as well if you notice Skip and Hojbjerg were never more than a few meters apart today whereas remember the gaps when we were playing the weird sort of three-man midfield with two box-to-box wingers and one single pivot in the middle Uh, whatever it was we had all those spaces through us we were forcing Newcastle to the flanks all day today and all right, it did lead to their goal at the beginning, but we know that was more about us than them.
0: Yeah, well, we talked about formation and and the lineup and everything, and it certainly is starting to seem like we've found a formula that is working for the time being. Dave, you said last week, never change a winning team. And I don't think we did. I think this was the same 11 that started the previous game. Do you carry on with this next week against West Ham? Would you start the same 11 players? Anyone that you think potentially is liable to be changed around? Or do you think there's a merit in any kind of rotation at this stage?
1: No, I don't think so. I think as long as everyone stays fit for the week, then then it makes sense to retain the team. I think West Ham will kind of shape up very similar to the way that, that you shape yeah. up um, with kind of that almost like double pivot kind of thing Rice with, uh, with Rice and Suchek. So yeah, I think um, that might be interesting because that might be a irresistible force versus immovable object situation where it kind of just cancels each yeah. other out. I've just got to double clarify. I did say smash and grab earlier with their victory over Everton. I didn't really mean in terms of their performance. I meant the fact that it was like a late game headed mm, goal yeah. from a corner.
0: They probably deserve I mean,
1: they, they're a good team. They play well. Yeah. And, you know, they, they had the majority of the possession in that game. And they, they look decent. And, you know, they played us three weeks ago and at Ellen Road. And they, mm. they won 2-1 with a last-minute winner. Last so they minute, don't yeah. stop. <laughs> they don't stop. They keep going. They're a fit mm. team. They're an organized team, as Elio said and they'll definitely cause you problems. But the team you have right now is playing well and has the potential to get a positive result.
0: We'll need more than 86 good minutes against them, is what you're saying. (laughs) You need at least 86, but you probably need 90.
1: I think the thing that's
2: pleasing me most at the moment is that the big worry with Nuno all along has been, does he know how to play front foot football? Does he know how to be proactive? Or is he, as Jamie Carragher, I think, said, Mourinho without the trophies? So... I think right now he's showing that he can actually set up a team to attack and to play good football. And yes, it helps when you've got Son and Harry Kane and uh, semi-interested in Dombele in the side, obviously. But we've seen time and time again, watching football over the years, that good players doesn't necessarily equal good team. And Nuno seems to have got the formula a lot better in the last couple of games and... I give him a lot of credit for that because I'm not sure everybody wanted to give him the chance to get to this point, and as long as he keeps it up, then he'll keep getting more and more credit in the bank and at some point it'll go wrong and we'll lose to someone that's better than us of course i mean we'll play liverpool at some point and we never beat liverpool really so uh no one does so yeah no i mean look at them so Mm. so fair fair play but and there'll be a slip up against a team we should be beating as well obviously but right now he's giving us reason to believe you know what Signs aren't that dissimilar to what we saw with Pochettino a few years ago. It started a bit slow. It started coming together. We started playing good football and and bit by bit, we looked like a team that's deserved patience. And that's what we look like at this minute. Needs more than two games, but I have faith at the moment that
0: it will be more than two games. Well, let's hope your faith is repaid. And fingers crossed we pick up the pace and this looks like the start of a new look Spurs on the new and we're going to go on and get a few more results and we'll have a few happier podcasts in the near future as well but uh, of course next week we will be looking back on that West Ham game and of course having a look ahead to what will by then be a pretty huge game against Man United as well so looking forward to that hmm. if you at home listening have any thoughts on anything we discussed so far on the West Ham game coming up next week or of course on this Newcastle game or any thoughts about Spurs in terms of how we should be lining up uh, anyone who's impressed you anything that you think we should change we'd love to hear from you so please do get in touch with us as always you can get in touch with us on our social media accounts on both twitter and instagram at plus dave podcast and you can email us at plus at gmail.com you can also if you dare pit your wits against our expert managerial minds join our fpl league with the code of jb3psv
2: i had son in my team this week and i took him out because of
0: the false positive covid test well you, know, <laughs> you should have been paying closer attention to the press conferences and the up-to-date news
1: I captain Cristiano Ronaldo again. It's all coming up Jameson right now. (laughs) I'm delighted that my captain of Ronaldo is essentially bringing the downfall of Manchester United.
0: I've been playing FPL for three years now and I have one rule and one rule only. When in doubt, captain Mo Salah. And it generally pays off. And I don't plan to stop for the rest of the season, if I'm honest. I can see him being my captain every single week.
1: I actually had faith in,
0: in Spurs and I had wilson as my third sub that's my other rule never do that (laughs) (laughs) moving on so we are of course going to to talk about those games next week but uh, as i said please get in touch we'd love to hear from you on any matters and please send in your thoughts questions and feelings on on today's game and next week's game and we'll hopefully read some of those out on next week's episode right then can anyone tell me what the next stage of our episode is going to be any guesses Ask Sean Longstaff. (laughs) (laughs) Sean Longstaff's had enough from you, Elio, okay? He didn't score the winner today, so you got off lightly. He should have been on the the pitch by the time he got subbed off. They should have had about seven men, but we we are moving on to the next stage of our show, which is, of course, Challenge Elio. Now, Challenge Elio is going to be significantly more difficult this week, in theory at least, because it is just Dave on the non-Elio team. However, as I mentioned last week, considering he is the only non-Spurs fan on the team, he has actually been, by far the most prolific Elio challenger of the Plus Dave series so far. So Dave, you've got to be feeling a little bit confident today that you might be able to knock a few points off our, off our champion. Sure, sure. <laughs> let's, let's, see, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Well, look, I should say I wrote these questions, I put these questions together with a slightly fuller team in mind, so I didn't make it any easier. And this isn't trying to give Dave any kind of edge. So Elio, <laughs> question one today. I would like you to try and tell me all the Spurs players, and by Spurs players, I mean players who have played for Spurs in the Premier League era who have 50 or more Premier League assists. 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 And as with last week, we're going to go back and forth. So you name one, goes back to Dave, he tries to name one, and we'll jump back and forth. And How many are there? Them. How many are there? That's a great question. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's, we've actually got nine players. With... Nine players who have played for Spurs. And, and bear in mind, these aren't all assists for Spurs. So it could be a player who's played okay. one game for Spurs and all the rest of his assists were for somebody else. But okay. most of them are players that played a significant number of games for us. Okay, I'm going to go Darren go Anderson for. as number one. Darren Anderson is not actually number one, but he is in the list, of course. He is, he's the second in the list. Hmm. He's 15th in the all-time. Oh, I meant number
2: one, one is in my first
0: answer. But... <laughs> oh, right, yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely correct. Anderson is on the list, with 68 assists, in at number 15 in the overall charts. Dave, get a hazard a guess? Ericsson. Ericsson is correct. Ericsson is number three, with 62 assists, 19th in the overall list. I'm going to go with Teddy Sheringham. Teddy Sheringham is top of the list. He <laughs> I mean, is number 11 in the all-time Premier League. He played for most of the charts. years that the Premier League has existed. And not just for us as well. Yeah. So yeah absolutely. So we've got the top three. This is where it starts to get a little bit um, trickier. There's certainly a few controversial ones on this list. Who are you thinking, Dave? I'm just going to go for it. Harry Kane. Surprisingly, no. Huh. I suppose he only really started racking up big assist numbers last year. Uh, he got, 20, he yeah. got 20-odd got
1: twenty last season, didn't he? So I just mm, thought maybe he's not. had, you know,
0: half a dozen for a few seasons as well. I imagine he'll end his career on this list, whether it's for us or, or Man City or otherwise. But no, he's not on there. This is just, Premier, guess, just Premier League assists, yeah? Just Premier League assists, yeah. Um... So we've got six more to go. They're all pretty closely grouped. I mean, they run from 58 assists down to 50. Oh, okay. <laughs> and three of them are on 50. Really? So... Yeah, so they've all played for other clubs, if that helps. I mean, most of them will have done, but they've all played you know, a significant number of games for other Premier League clubs. Based on his time at Chelsea and his
2: relationship with Drogba and with Lampard's, Ida Johnson? No.
0: Nope. Okay. Not on there. I was trying to think. Um, field, uh... Michael Carrick? It's a great guess, but he's not on there, which is surprising. Back to Elio. Hmm. Gilfie Sigurdsson. Number nine on the list with 50 assists. Gilfie okay. Sigurdsson is correct. Um, Janela? No. These are some good guesses, though, Dave. I have to say. I mean, I'm, he I'm was surprised. rubbish, wasn't he? <laughs> no, not <laughs> enough
1: goals, not enough assists. I don't know what you guys are like,
0: him. He's like Triore or Saint Maxwell. Yeah, just, just a <laughs> just just, just just turns. And, yeah, mm. except when he played Leeds. Except. I tell you what, even though he wasn't very good for us, Tim Sherwood. No. Ah, no. Although not very good for us is a pretty good clue for one of them. Not very good for anyone is a pretty good clue for one of them, actually. <laughs> Any guesses? We've got three, three more I'm, to go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm blanking a bit. I'll just have now. to start just naming all the Spurs players you know because we're, we're running low on uh, them. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Ronnie Rosenthal.
0: <laughs> it's not Israel's finest, I'm sorry to say. I wish it was, but he's not on the list. I might start throwing out some clues in a minute, but I think you've still got it in you. I've still got faith. You know what? He had seven
2: seasons in Turtle in the Premier League with us. That's that's not even 10 league assists a season. I'm not convinced by it because it ended up more his goals he was remembered for by Gareth Bale.
0: No. This is harder than I expected it to be, I would say. <laughs> Are we just shouting out names at this point? You're just shouting out names now. I'm fed up with the back and forth.
2: Or even Leonardson.
0: No. <laughs> Aaron Lennon? Aaron Lennon is. Ah. Well done. Aaron Lennon is. He is also on 50 in number joint seven, mm-hmm. I believe. Robbie Keane? No. I think you've got two each so far. So we're missing four players.
1: I think I need clues. I don't
0: know if needs clues. No, I, I, I need I
2: clues. I need clues. Otherwise, it's just a guess who was creative game
0: (laughs) you've got five between you I think I think Elio's got three yeah you've got Eriksson and Lennon and Elio's got Sigurdsson showing him and Anderson.
2: he played in a side that scored an inordinate amount of goals so and that wasn't us but he also made a fair few for us so Mm -hmm. Dimitar Berbatov
0: good guess but it's not on the list you're beginning to annoy me sounds like a catchphrase there it's good but it's not the one (laughs) yeah these are this is the best Rogue Walker impression. Hmm. Yeah, they're not really Rogue, but they're not necessarily names that would jump out at you when you think of assists. But one that really surprised me that we actually, we mentioned in the last couple of episodes. And Elio, you, you gave a little summary of him, actually. Another one has also featured in one of these questions in terms of England goal scorers. So that's a big clue. Oh. Um. Another one is a pundit. Not a very good pundit, no better than he was as a Don't player.
2: tell me Jermaine Gina's got Scott fifty assists. Worse. Danny, oh, Mur- Danny. Yeah. Danny, Danny Murphy. Danny Murphy
0: Danny Murphy. Danny Murphy. Danny Murphy fifty-five Premier League assists. Wow. Fulham's finest. <laughs> <laughs> it's another one for Elio.
2: I think I can share that point with Dave. He was coming to it at the same time.
0: You're too kind, Elio. You're winning. I'm trying to yeah, get man, to back in the five good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dave actually said it three seconds earlier. <laughs> okay, so we have one who's from the early days of the Premier League. And then we have a couple who are from around the same kind of era, I guess. Sort of maybe early 2000s. Peter Crouch, a lot of knockdowns. Peter Crouch is correct. Peter <laughs> Crouch has nice. 58 Premier League assists in at number four. 23rd in the all-time list. And I believe, I read this somewhere, more than Paul Skulls. Which I found absolutely insane. Paul Skulls.
2: Oh, I have my... View- I have my views on Paul Skulls which do not go with the Tide,
0: but... <laughs> we'll talk, we'll probably probably, go, probably go
1: with the Tide in this current audience, Elliot, to be
0: honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, we're, we're missing two. Yeah, one is from kind of the early days of Premier League Spurs, or relatively, like when I, when I, when I my earliest memories of Spurs... Nicky thing. Sort of Correct. 50 assists again. He wasn't very good by the time he joined you, was he, Dave? He was not very good. pimping No. Uh, he,
1: was, uh, there go. he was a he was a venerable signing. Oh dear.
0: Unsurprising. This <laughs> surprises me. The one that's remaining surprises me a little bit. More recent this one, you say. Why is it is it a goalie? Paul Robinson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he, he scored a goal, but no, he's not on the assist.
2: He scored more goals for us than Stefan Freund and Didier Zakora combined.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the same as Harry Kane this season. <laughs> okay, so this guy he scored in a famous win against Arsenal once. Uh, David you. Bentley. No, not that win. That was not... Hang on. You, that was not a win. Oh, yeah. Well, uh. a famous win. You were at Elio, and it was in a cup game. Big clue. Steve Marbronk didn't get 50 assists, did he? No. Oh. He got 55 assists. <laughs> oh. Steve Marbronk. Steve Marbronk. See, <laughs> a Fulham, Fulham connection uh, here, isn't it? Fifth, fifth highest ex-Spurs playing assister in Premier League history, according to my... Sometimes shaky statistics, but well, this is from the Premier League's official website, so there you go.
2: I, I used to love Steed, I loved Steed's Marl but for us, he was more of a grafter. Know, this, this
0: is why it surprised me. I mean, great player, and you know, an attacking player, I suppose, but yeah, that, that one surprised me. But obviously, he must have played a lot of games for a lot of clubs, so there we go. So, Dave, you got a couple there. I'm going to give you three. I'm not sure you got three, but I'm I got three. Anyway. That's exactly how many I got. Okay, well, I'm going to give you three. I, I said <laughs> yes. Murphy before. And I'm going to take back the it. snide comment. Yeah, no, fair <laughs> enough. Okay. okay, fine. Well, look, we're moving into our final question, keeping it short today, uh, we're going to go into the Who Am I game, which is the third time we've done this now. And I must say that I don't always get the stats right, so let's hope I've done it this time. The Who Am I game, Can't menu, wait, as the name suggests... <laughs> is a game in which the players have to try and guess which famous ex-Spurs player I'm talking about based on clues that I give them. And there are six clues and you'll take turns to read out a number. I'll give you the corresponding clue and we'll see if we can get it. And I'll, I'll say after the clue comes out, you can both have a stab at it. You can both just shout it out if you think you know, but you only get one. Don't just start shouting out every Spurs player under the sun. So it's a buzz around, essentially. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's the best way to do it. Cool. Um, Elio, let's have your first number. Three. Number three. I have played in a European Championship final. Moussa Sissoko? No. Good guess. Dave, give me a number. Two. I played for two seasons at Spurs. Not there that long. Two full seasons? I would dare clarify further in case I'm wrong, but I believe so. Yeah.
2: Am I allowed to have another guess because I've got another name in my head? Or do I have to be polite? Let's, let's see if Dave has a guess.
0: I think we, should, we owe him that. Um... Two seasons of Spurs, played in the European Championship final. No, no guess. Elio, who's your guess? Jürgen Klinsmann. Jürgen Klinsmann is correct. <laughs> that is, that's the <laughs> record for the Who Am I game. I think you got the Glenn Hodder one after three, three clues, but that's, that's very good. I mean, to be fair, you probably picked one that narrowed it down the most mm. in the first clue, to be fair. But very, very well done, Jürgen Klinsmann. The other clues were going to be, I've played in four top-flight leagues. It's interesting being I believe Germany, England, Italy and uh, France. Italy and France. We wanna go. I've scored in an English Cup semi-final. My first goal was against Sheffield Wednesday, which I think would have been probably a bit of a giveaway because everyone remembers the celebration. And I am a certified commercial helicopter pilot. That's a good thing, and I did not know that. I didn't know that. Would that have have made you any the wiser on Jürgen Quin'sman? It would not have. Uh, You (laughs) could have also gone with, (laughs) scored the
2: fastest hat-trick for
0: Spurs in the Premier League. (laughs) No, no, we've been over this earlier. He did not second. Second fastest. Actually, no, sorry, it wasn't wasn't the second fastest. It wasn't a hat-trick. If anyone is wondering what we're going on about, this was a heated argument in a previous episode of Challenge Elio. But we won't Yeah, get they just to have to There's listen to the previous episodes, are not they? No, exactly. We, we need to get those West <laughs> oh, up. Um, it's
2: nice. So yeah, it's nice to have done two episodes in a row off the back of wins. I've I, I've enjoyed this. Um, yeah. Hopefully, we're saying three episodes in a week's time. But I kind of missed the days when West Ham were our feeder club and not a team that finished above us last season.
0: <laughs> We haven't really done enough episodes to get a significant sample size, but I'm curious to see if we get more listens when we win or when we lose, because I imagine we're probably more entertaining when we've lost. Mm. I think it'd probably be quite interesting to see the difference. But no, it's definitely nice to be, it's good to be going through our players one by one and saying who had a good game rather than just absolutely slating them one in turn. Dave, are you enjoying watching Spurs at the moment? Is it a bit more fun than the first few games of the season? yeah it
1: is i mean it certainly feels like they're getting together and they've sorted themselves out and and i think um yeah i'm very comfortable with my pre-season prediction of fifth let's put it that way Mm.
0: I'm fairly comfortable with your preseason prediction of fifth as well, to be honest. And honestly, I'd probably take it, but I know you won't, Elio. I know it's fourth or or higher or bust for you. So uh, we'll see how the season plays out. But uh, thank you everyone who's still with us for joining today and for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you enjoyed watching Spurs get their second win in a row. And let's hope next week we're talking about the third, as Elio says. If you have any questions, any comments, as I mentioned before, please get in touch on Twitter or Instagram at plusdaypodcast or email us at plusdaypodcast at gmail.com. And of course, Dave, Elio, thank you for joining us as always and look forward to having you both back again next week as well. From all of us, thanks very much. You stay classy, Spurs fans, and we will see you again next week.